In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Heavenly King, Paraclete, Spirit of Truth, you who are everywhere present and fill all things, treasury of all that is good, master of life, come dwell within us, cleanse us from all stain, and save our souls, O good one. Mary, cause of our joy, pray for us. Amen. Well, we're going to start now uh, on verse 17. Uh, actually, I might go back up to um, um, just re- recapitulate 15 and 16 because that really sets the stage for what we're going to be doing. We're going to be doing the Christian experience of the presence of the Holy Spirit as hope. And yet, incomplete because we don't see God but we will and this is the chapter remember Paul has been working toward this chapter since uh, he said back in verse uh, 18 of, of chapter 1 I am not ashamed of the good news this is the good news you see what is the good news the Holy Spirit that's the good news now Implied in that, of course, is everything else. You know, he bowed his head and handed over the Spirit. Um, But it's this... um, And so now, uh, he's going to be talking, as we saw last time. um, You see, um, you have not received a spirit of slavery again for fear, to go back into fear again. You've received the spirit of sonship in which we cry, Abba, Father. I think we did a lot of that last time. Abba. Whenever I try to explain that, the first thing that comes back to my mind was a grocery store over in Israel, in Jerusalem. And I was, you know, pretty high shelves. I was walking down an aisle looking for something. And there was a little boy in front of me, maybe four or five. All of a sudden, he looked around and he realized he was without his father. So he called out, Abba, Abba, Ephorta, where are you? Dad, Dad, where are you? Father, like that. And his father was just wondering. He looked over and said, Anipo, Ebaya, I'm right here, there's no problem. But I thought, you see, Abba has all that trust, that love, that affection. It's a divine affection. It's the affection between the eternal Father and the eternal Son. And we're invited into it. It doesn't mean Daddy. It's not sentimental at all. It's, it's beyond words. Uh, it's knowing the Father. And then the way you say that in the power of the Holy Spirit is Abba. And you can't, you know, philology and comparative work, but if you want to know what Abba means, you have to let the Holy Spirit teach you because there's no other way. Uh, and so we call Abba, Father. Okay. Um, and so, so the, the, then the Spirit witnesses to our spirit, you see, that we are the children of God. We're the technatayu, we're the children of God. Did you ever think about that? I remember in the story, 
when there was just the beginning of racial in integration, an African American family moved into a neighborhood in Chicago. It was all white. And so there were, you know, rotten eggs put on their lawn, and there were all kinds of things going on. And the man just quietly said, They haven't realized yet they're living next to royalty. He knew his dignity. You see, Abba, Father. And so, when you experience that Holy Spirit actually working that in you, it's inexpressible, but it's life changing. Abba, that's who God is. And our Lord loved him with a divine affection. And he brings us into that. You see? When you pray, say Abba. That's the way it begins in uh, St. Mark's, St. Mark's account of the Our Father. When you pray, say Abba, Yitkadeshimak, Tetolmakutak, Tetemakutak. You see? Abba. When you pray, say Abba. That's how you pray. Father. That's the way the whole canon of the Mass. From one end to the other, we're only talking to the Father. That's why at the end we say, through Him and with Him and in Him is to you, God the Almighty Father, to whom we've just been just talking this whole time, all honor and glory for all ages of ages, amen, however we say it in the Mass. But um, the whole canon of the Mass is directed to Abba, your Son. There's one prayer uh, after the canon addressed to Jesus, Lord Jesus Christ, who said to your apostles, peace I leave with you, my peace I give you, and so forth. But um, uh, it's all addressed to the Father, okay? Uh, and so, if heir, if, if children, then heirs. Heirs of God, the Father, and co-heirs with Christ. Everything that Christ owns, I own. Except he's God. But I mean, we're, we're brothers in one way. And our human natures are both looking up to God. His with total equality, me now. But we're children of God like Christ. That's important, you know, to know that. Okay. So if we're children, then we're heirs and co-heirs with Christ. Everything he's got, we got. Okay. Including a glorified body one day. Okay. Now, co-heirs with Christ, then it starts, if we suffer with him, so that we will be glorified with him. It's not a hidden clause in the contract, you see. As we suffer with him, we uh, become uh, co-glorified with him. And that will bring us finally into eternity. Co-glorified with Christ. We're going to shine. You know, he says that in Philippians 3, right? Our citizenship is not here. It's in heaven. And from heaven we await a Savior who will come and he will identify, is not the word they use there, our body with his glorious body. We're going to be glorious like Christ. That's his plan for us. Life is tough, yeah. But it doesn't last that long compared to eternity. So while we're here, we try to obey him and to bring as many other people as we can with us. 
And so that's what uh, this is about. So, see, if we um, suffer with Him, so that we may be glorified with Him, it's a fact, not a condition. The reason for the suffering is that we that we be glorified. Even now, then completely when we're with Him. So now we're going to start a section which is my old prof identified four bases of hope. This is a hopeful chapter, right? How do we know this is going to happen? He says right away, See, I esteem that the sufferings of this time, now, this now time, you see, are not worthy. They're not comparable to the glory that's going to be revealed in us. Think about that. You're sick. You don't feel good. You've had disappointments. Okay. Nothing compared to the glory that's going to be revealed in us. And now here's the, pr- here's the proof of that. You see, the avid expectation of the creation of the um, of creation, you see, uh, is awaiting the re- revelation of the sons of God. I mean, if you just look around, you can see that. See, um, the eager expectation of the creation is awaiting the revelation of the sons of God. It was subject, creation was subject to futility. Not willingly, but because of the one who subjected it, probably meaning um, Adam, but in hope, or on the basis of hope, that is, even sin didn't close the door. Postponed the glory, but it didn't close the door. This is hope. So the first motive for hope is uh, just look at the universe and say it's imperfect. How do you know it's imperfect? You never saw other universes. How do you know? Because you know it's better, supposed to be better than that. That's a sign of hope. That's a sign of hope. It's going to be better. The disappointments, the sicknesses and all the rest, you see? Um, It was subject to this um, emptiness, I want futility, I think I translated it. Um, subject to, not willingly, but because of the one who subjected it in hope. He didn't subject it in hope, but that whole situation is in unfinishedness, you see? For we know, so this is this unfinished state, how come I know the universe is imperfect? How many universes have I been to? How do I know how to compare? I know inside myself, this is not the way God made this. I know that. Well, that's a sign of hope. He's going to restore it. You see? Um, And so, creation will be uh, freed from the slavery of corruption for the freedom of the glory of the children of God. Our bodies are going to rise. The whole universe is going to be changed. See? For we know, and now we start this uh, very interesting, we know that all of creation groans and is in the pains of childbirth, literally, until now. 
Just walk outside and take a look. Or go someplace where there's a volcano going on. He's what there is um, I'm trying to find this to make sure I'm see, not only that, but you see creation. So the first sign of hope is we know that this isn't a finished world. It's gonna be better. And God's gonna make it better. And we know that. We're bright enough to see it. It's lousy right now in many ways. And so we're bright enough to know that. How come we know that? We haven't been to a lot of other universes to compare because in our heart we know. That's the first sign of hope. Okay? Um, That is groaning and in the pangs of childbirth. That is a typical, what shall I call it, eschatological uh, word. The universe is groaning and has the pangs of childbirth. This is the word used also in the eschatological discourses. Giving birth, see? Not only that, now we start the next one, but we ourselves, having the first fruits of the Spirit, you know what first fruits are? When the harvest comes up, you take the best from the top and you bring it and give it to God. First fruits, the rest is yours. Well, God is saying, I'm going to give you my blessed Holy Spirit to live in you, to move in you, to heal you, to guide you, and that's just the beginning. When you're aware of the Holy Spirit, that's just the beginning of my plans for you. You see? Um, And so, now remember that the universe is groaning. Now it says, um, and we in ourselves are groaning. What are we waiting for? The adoption of sonship. Uh, Which is what? The full adoption of sonship is the redemption of our bodies. Hey, I'm not an angel. You can't redeem me unless you redeem my body. I don't want to escape from my body. I I mean, it's mine. So that's what he's saying. We're looking forward, as the text says here, you see, uh, to the full fullness of our adoption as sons, that is the the, uh, redemption of our bodies. That's the second basis of hope. Now, remember, what we're talking about now is the gospel. The presence of the Holy Spirit. Remember way back, I am not ashamed of the gospel. You know? Uh, Because it is the good news. It is the, you know? Well, now we've had the freedom from all those things. Now we're talking about, and the good news comes down to what? The Holy Spirit dwelling in us changing us and preparing us to have a glorious body forever with God in heaven. That's why we're groaning, you see. Uh, Awaiting the redemption of our bodies, that's our adoption of sonship. We're awaiting that. 
That's not a myth. That's a down payment, as he's going to say in a moment. See, the Spirit is the down payment. He's the arava of this, aravon of this. Okay. Because we're saved by hope, in hope, you see. Hope, the object of hope, if it's seen, is not hope. Uh, who hopes for what he already sees? Nobody. If we uh, do not see it and we hope, we are waiting for it with the oh, with perseverance. Okay, okay. So now we've got the witness of the universe. We've got the witness of our own spirit. This is not the last day. We're we're going places. This chapter is telling us because it's about the Holy Spirit, who is as you just heard. He's the Aravon. He's the down payment. Now. In a like manner, now listen to this one, the Spirit comes to the aid of our weakness. For what to pray for as we ought, we don't know. We're so dumb. So the Spirit, you see, intercedes uh, with unutterable groanings. The prayer of the Spirit in us is the foundation of our hope. And He who searches the hearts, knows the preoccupation of the, of the Spirit, that He is interceding for the saints. Isn't that beautiful? The third motive for hope. You know the Holy Spirit. You can experience the Holy Spirit. Pray. He comes to our weakness. We don't know what to pray for. But He does. Now, I have always linked this, because I think the Lord showed it to me, with some material later on in chapter 8, where, uh, you know, who can be against us and so forth? And, um, you know, Jesus Christ, who's interceding for us? So this prayer of the Holy Spirit is what? It takes that prayer of Jesus, interceding for the whole world, pleading, showing his wounds to the Father and pleading, and he puts that in us. So we're joined to the intercession that's going on in heaven. And that's why he can say, you see, that he comes to our weakness. We don't know what to pray for as we are, but he prays with unutterable groanings. The universe groans, we groan, the Holy Spirit groans. Isn't that awesome? How can he love us so much to come like that to us and to pray inside of us in such a way that our prayers are heard, you see? The very Spirit is interceding with unutterable, unspeakable groanings. Huh? And he who searches the hearts, it's the Father, knows the preoccupation, the phronima of the Spirit, that he is interceding for the saints. He knows that. So the Spirit is not only there, he's in us. And he's putting the prayer of Jesus in us. This is why it's so important to learn how to intercede. To learn what that means. So that the Holy Spirit guides us, leads us, and we pray with infallible prayers because of the prayer of the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity, living and moving and groaning in us. So now we've had the universe groaning, ourselves groaning, and now the Holy Spirit groaning. What love that he would be that close to us, huh? 
And if I'm correct, that unutterable groaning is taking the intercession of Jesus, who's before the Father, as it said just earlier here, you see, uh, and uh, interceding for us. And now, the Spirit. But he's groaning. Isn't that mysterious? And then, uh, it says, and we know, and this is the last one of these foundations of hope, we know that for those who love God, he works everything for the good. Isn't that marvelous? Even our sins, he can make them work for good. Now that's something, isn't it? At least they'll keep us humble, but more than that, keep us sympathetic and keep us grateful. He forgave your sins. Uh, trying to remember who it was. I'm trying to remember. The story won't come back to me, but it will, I hope. It'll come. Somebody heard the Lord say, I'm here and all your sins are forgiven. Isn't that beautiful? Okay. We know in regard to those who love God, He works together all things for good. Now, those who are called according to the plan, because those He foreknew, He foreordained to be conformed to the image of His Son, so that He would be the firstborn among many brothers. Those He foreordained, He called. Those He called, He justified. Those He justified, He glorified. He will glorify, but He's already glorified. We walk around with Almighty God inside of us. The Holy Spirit moving, loving, inspiring, protecting, praying in us. And if we learn to yield to that powerful intercession, that's always heard. Why? Well, Paul tells us. Because the Father sees who's praying. It's the Spirit praying according to the mind of the Father for all the saints of God. So we're heard. Now that's something, isn't it? So now, he ends this chapter. We have lots of more verses to go. I hope we make them. Uh, what then shall we say to all this? If God is with us, who is against us? Who cares? You know, God's with us. He who did not spare his own son, but handed him over for us. Oh, wait a minute, that's too much. When you talk about paradirome, hand over, that's what Judas did. Judas handed him over to Pilate. Pilate handed him over to the Jews. The Jews handed him over to crucifixion. We have that, it's a synonym for the whole passion process. That's why it says there in Galatians, you see, I, uh, I live not on our Christ who lives in me. You know, he loved me and gave himself over for me to the passion. And now it says, you see, that the Father handed him over. The Father handed his own son. Well, I don't know how many others, but St. Thomas stops there. says, boy, what can that possibly mean? And he finally says, you know what it means? He inspired Jesus with such a love that Jesus could hardly stop himself from running to the cross for us. It was the love in his heart. So he wasn't betrayed by the Father he was inspired by the Father, you see? And that's why uh, he handed himself over. How then will he not give us all things? So what are we afraid of? 
Who will bring a charge against the elect of God? God, who makes just? Who is the one condemning? Christ Jesus, who died, more than that, was raised, who is at the right hand of God, and who is interceding for us? That's the intercession the Holy Spirit puts in our hearts, you see? So who's going to separate us from the love of Christ? Tribulation, or anguish, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or danger, or sword? No. As it stands written, yes, the psalm says, for your sake we're put today the whole day long. We are reckoned as sheep for slaughter, but in all these things we conquer gloriously because of the one who loved us. You see how he ends this chapter? It's a triumph. I'm not ashamed of the gospel. This is the gospel. The Lord God himself in his lovely beautiful incarnate Son, is interceding for us. He died for us. That's what it says, doesn't it? You know, Christ who died more than that was raised. So then he ends. For I am convinced that neither death nor life or angels or principalities, neither things present nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature will be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. So what are we afraid of? Go to God and, and, and tell Him you, you love Him. Not well, but you love Him. Go to God and tell Him you want to love Him. And can you please, Lord, Holy Spirit, stir up love in me. Oh, I mean, I know that means I have to die to self, and I'm lousy at that, but don't quit. Keep at it. I would love to die in an act of love. I'd love to love you so much that I died just loving you. Now, I don't know if I'm worthy of such a grace. I can't bring it about, but you can. So that's the gospel. You see why he's not ashamed of it? Those are the realities. The Trinity has come down to the very depth of our misery. And the Father so fills his Son with love that he couldn't save himself from grasping all of us to his heart and bringing us to the humiliation, the darkness, the pain, the insult, the torture of the cross, so that in an act of love, he could bring us all back to the Father. And then, as he died, he handed over the Spirit. And the Spirit witnesses to us, in our spirit, you see, that all of this is for true. This is real, folks. And we have hope. That's why St. Peter says, you know, be ready to tell everybody why you're so hopeful. I mean, you're looking at the stock market the same way we are, you know. You get sick like we do, you know. Some of your kids are cutting up at times. How come you're so hopeful? Because the Holy Spirit witnesses to my spirit, and I know the love of the Father. How do I know? Because when I pray, the Holy Spirit will move in me and with a love that goes far beyond anything that could ever fit in my heart, I say, Abba to God. And I know I mean it because of the work of the Holy Spirit. And what am I doing? I'm praying just like Jesus. I'm praying and saying exactly what Jesus says. And the Father is enormously pleased. Now you say, I mean, look, He's infinite. He has the Son and Spirit. So how can I make Him pleased? That shows you how dumb we are. 
We just don't get love, do we? He loves us. That's the gospel. That's this chapter. So it starts off, if you remember how it starts off, and now, meaning the messianic age now, you see, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, for the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has freed you from the regime, the law of sin and death. You're not under that regime anymore with law and sin and death. The law that you have is the Holy Spirit dwelling in you. And this is just what he promised, isn't it? And this is the law I will give them. I will write my law within my heart, in their heart. I will give them my spirit. I'll place my spirit within them. And nobody has to tell his brother, know the Lord. They'll all know me, which means what? They'll all acknowledge me. They'll experience me. They'll obey me. They'll all know me. Why? From the least to the greatest. Because I will forgive their sins. And their transgressions I will remember no more. What I'll look at is my spirit in them, coming out to me with the very prayer of my own beloved son, and I will be thrilled. Even though it's all my work, it's all my, I am so thrilled to see them sharing it. Amen.